0: Hello and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other marketing and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Eddie Gordon, courseware designer and guest host for today's podcast. My guest today teaches management courses at the graduate and undergraduate levels at DePaul University, He has served in various executive roles himself as senior vice president, strategy, sales, and marketing for multiple software firms. He's written many books, including Leadership Caffeine Ideas to Energize Your Professional Development, Practical Lessons in Leadership, a guidebook for aspiring and experienced leaders, and Leadership Caffeine for Project Managers. And he's a busy man uh, delivering workshops had many clients in manufacturing, retail, banking, and other services. Please welcome today, Art Petty. Hello. Petty, it's
1: it's so great to be here. So thanks for having me on this show. That was quite a lead in. I was blushing a little bit there. Were you? I was trying. Good. I succeeded then. I'm glad. By the way, sorry about that project manager's book. I need to add the product managers uh, to that equation there. Good. They don't feel left out now. They can know that it's coming.
0: Excellent. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm thrilled to have you with us today um because y- your specific expertise and your um experience is something that I have been interested in in a long time maybe for for selfish reasons but you know we all want to be better leaders in whatever sphere that we're in but I was hoping at the top here if you might narrow down a little bit what kind of leader we're talking about we're, we're going to be addressing leadership in, in a business context, but is that different from, say, uh, a political leader, a religious leader, a military leader? Are there different skill sets here, or is what we're going to be talking about today
1: applicable to leadership in any venue? You know, it's, it's always an interesting question. I, I always even cringe a little bit at the L word, right? Because if you ask 10 people their definition of leadership, you're going to get 10 very different definitions. So the short answer is that there are so many common behaviors and skills essential to be successful in any environment. I think the nuances and the variables are different from, from location to location, but by and large, you know, the skill sets, the behavior sets are fairly common. Would, would say,
0: a leader in one of those
1: venues be able to translate
0: fairly well into, into yeah, one? Yeah, you know, venues?
1: that gets into is that interesting discussion of situational leadership, and our, our good friend Ken Blanchard uh, and his okay. co-author partner spent an awful lot of time by that. Um, it's been my experience that, uh, you know, leaders that can be great in one environment. So, for example, um, a turnaround leader. I've been around those folks before. I've been involved in a number of turnarounds not necessarily individuals who were always great at kind of sustaining Um, a leader who is remarkable at resetting a business and uh, uh, pointing it in a new direction might be someone that isn't necessarily, uh, again, great at that sustaining. So I found different, different exceptions and situational. I always like to point to history too, right? Who's the classic Mm. example Uh, Winston Churchill, Mm. you know, Wartime breaks out. There, you know, the the uh, the British Empire is at uh, literally at death's doorstep, and Churchill was the right person for the moment. As soon as peace breaks out, out of office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was there is a quote
0: on your website that I came across. It is displayed prominently, and it says this: "It is time for all of us to rethink the tools of leadership and management for a world." that isn't going to revert to what used to work. That quote both scared me and excited me at the same time. Uh, will you go into that a little bit? What are some yes. of these old tools and why aren't they gonna work anymore?
1: Uh, it's just, it's fascinating. So um, I've lo- I actually put that quote up there quite a few years ago. You're reminding me I need to refresh the website, by the way, which, <laughs> oh, they always need refreshing. It seemed pretty apropos to yeah, me today. Yeah. So. It's my perspective, and certainly there are some others out there. Gary Hamill, for example, um, is one um, that suggests that what we're doing today in the world is we're still managing our business with tools and techniques and approaches that in many cases would be recognizable from individuals should they be reanimated from from the earlier in the Industrial Revolution. We've just got techniques that are, you know, Long, long in the tooth from people that are long dead at this point in time. We're still using a lot of these practices. And certainly in this last challenging year, it's been amplified. Everything that we've ever heard about VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity hit us all at one time, right? Yeah. You know, traditional methods of man- managing, traditional methods of planning, for example, if you're planning for a year or two years now, I might argue that that's, while an interesting speculative exercise, kind of a waste of time. So this notion of strategy being much more agile, structure being different today, structure as a a powerful tool, um, how we're teaming, how we're making decisions, um, all of those issues are changing or need to change and need to change at a faster pace uh, in order for organizations to do what I term a level up in this complex environment.
0: Now, as you say that, I I imagine you probably wouldn't turn away anyone that wanted to come to say one of your courses or, or 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 workshops. But is it possible for everyone to be a good leader? Don't we need good followers too? Can can everybody be a leader at the same time?
1: Yeah. So again, these are these are good classic uh, questions. The nature nurture perspective, right? Yeah. I think somewhere in a in a few dozen of my articles, I suggest that you know. I mean, I think most people have the ability to to lead in some form or fashion. Not everyone should, however. I think it's leadership is mostly learned. Some people perhaps have a slightly uh, you know stronger set of skills that they were uh, graced with uh, at a point in time. But uh, I think that you know many can lead, many can many can manage, and uh, not everyone should, however. There are probably examples,
0: if we thought hard enough, we could find of a great leader that is actually lacking in 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 some of those classic leadership skills, well, right?
1: You know, and think about it. I, I have this this advocate, and I talk about it a lot in my programs, where it's where you're kind of leading upward or striving to influence the boss. There is no such thing as a perfect boss. There's no such thing as a perfect CEO. You know, I've worked with three or four remarkable CEOs. I'll give it four, okay? I don't want to qualify on that on that one. So, (laughs) mine are pretty great too, and they occasionally (laughs) listen to this podcast. Exactly, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I've heard that, by the way. that, That you have a great one. So, they all have gaps, right? I have. An incredible number of gaps, and I had a remarkably successful executive career, and it was the individuals around me who were kind enough and great enough to fill some of those gaps, and I view it as my job to have to, you know, be able to fill the gaps of that individual that, that frankly is responsible for choosing me to be successful.
0: So, so, that it, so in sure. that sense, you've got leaders and, and followers do, uh, fitting together like puzzle pieces in that sense,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. You know, it is interesting. I don't get caught up as much. I named my blog the Management Excellence Blog for a reason. I really think that the tools of management, and I'm quoting Gary Hamill here, who is one of my idols, are are the technology of human achievement. It's how we plan and lead and organize and control. The tools of management are the technology of human achievement. And that's all Gary Hamill. I wish I would have made that up. I think it's a fascinating kind of reframe and rethink about it. So I I think that there's a lot more. When I work with individuals who are in so-called leadership roles, I'm looking for their leadership agility and adaptability, but I'm looking for their operational acumen, for their critical thinking capabilities, for their problem-solving abilities, and this whole host of skill sets. And that's where where we're focusing their, their development there. And I'm looking for them to be those type of complete professionals. And importantly, and much more so in this era, you don't have to have title to lead. Let's take your wonderful alumni and, and, and core audience, the product professionals. Those are the consummate integrator leaders in organization. They span boundaries. They're solving problems, You know, negotiating for changes in process and approach, collaborating, bringing groups together, and ultimately creating value, and as they will often highlight without a lot of authority along the way, right? So they're the consummate, uh, you know, leaders without authority in that case. I think that, that many contributors are effectively leaders in the moment. I, I think the but, other thing that I've, I've learned about leadership in this era is that the video gamers got it right. The game designers, we're in this perpetual, if you think about it, all of us as professionals, this perpetual level up game. And every time we get to the next level, We have to learn all over again. And, you know, sometimes we come together with others and we're leading in the moment. And other times we're coming together with others and we have to play a supporting role. And I think that leadership is much more fluid nowadays than what, you know, our parents might have understood it as.
0: So your video game analogy reminded me of a concept that I learned about some years ago that's kind of scary. That's called uh, being promoted to the level of incompetence. The Peter Principle. The Peter Principle,
1: exactly. That is yes. the Peter Principle, yes.
0: Uh, uh, what can we do to avoid that? Should we avoid it? Should we just accept it and then try and gain the skills necessary for whatever uh, level we find ourselves at? You know, I, I think there's a, a, a more,
1: more relevant rethink to leadership. And I think it, it's back to that perspective the, the hierarchy and leadership, I think we need to kind of break the back of thinking of it in that context. That product professional who's driving in a new initiative internally in an organization working externally to take a company to a new market space there's a leadership role that they're playing there. however, they may be shifting over to a supporting role and a, you know for for another initiative that they're involved with within the organization so I think the the notion is. Best individual for the situation, and you know we we learned that from. uh, If you follow design firm IDEO, which is another organization I've worked with, and I just I really love the Kellys and what they've done over there. Their notion is very much: hey, leader is not about hierarchy; it's not about seniority; it's the best person for the situation, and that varies from situation to situation.
0: More than once in this conversation already, you seem to have shied away from the term leader specifically. (laughs) Is, it, is there
1: a better word to use? Why don't, why don't you seem to like that? You know, I don't shy away from it. Uh, I, I have to tell you, though, that, I, look, I love it. I write leadership caffeine articles, right? Yeah, okay, uh, good. But I train individuals on strategic and critical thinking. I train them on how to strengthen as decision makers. I help them develop their communication, adaptability, and flexibility. I help them work on these behaviors. Whether they have a title that has a C in it or a V in it i don 't really care. what I do care about is that they can go back and they can in moments and in situations where they 're the best possible resource, they can cultivate that influence, gain that support and drive the initiatives and bring people along with them, which is the truly the essence of leadership and, and i 'll share a personal anecdote so uh, uh, I submitted a, a couple of years ago a book to uh to an agent and uh, it had L, the L word leadership in the title, and uh, the, it, uh, the you it. see
0: why I'm suspicious that well, you're uh, so, might, you so, might be so dubious yeah, of this title.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so so his response to me was that I I know this is a family one, so I can't give you his exact response, but you can use your <laughs> imagination. He okay. said, "Great, another blank, blanking <laughs> leadership book. Just right. what we need.
0: <laughs> right? Yes, the the self help shelf is full of them in the
1: in the." bookstores, right? Well, let's think about it. I mean, other than a couple of other topics I can think of, we probably write and talk more about leadership than anything else out there. And we still haven't figured it out. A a couple of months ago, I guess I have to ring the bell. I, I wrote an article that was published on Smart Brief, Smart Brief on leadership. And it was effectively, you know, we've got this leadership thing all wrong. We've been, you know, driving and developing and viewing and revering those leaders who can drive those numbers. What we haven't been doing is motivating, supporting, and developing leaders who can lead for resilience. And imagine something, I can't imagine anything more important than than that kind of resilience mentality that we need to bring to the situation today. So there's another area where leadership, traditional leadership. And and resilient, resilient in what way? Resilient for the business, resilient in their ability to work long hours or what? No, no, for the business, right? For looking at the business from all perspectives. Um, You know, these leaders that are, are running red teaming exercises and simulation exercises and thinking through the business model and diversifying their business models. So if one fails, another one succeeds wildly. You know, on a simple level, the restaurants that were able to adapt quickly during this, you know, horrible pandemic to carry out. We have a few restaurants around me that are prosperous. We have a butcher that is prospering remarkably so, so we have some small examples where they've really been resilient type with their mentality, with their planning and their approaches. So many of our organizational leaders pushed the envelope on risk and on driving numbers and got hit by this, and guess what? You know, lots, of, lots of problems. So it's just a different way to think about things. Not conservative, in fact, much more aggressive.
0: Well, I want to talk here in a minute specifically about the partnership between yourself and Pragmatic Institute and the awesome course that you are developing for us. But just in case I don't get back to it, I want to ask you one question that I have been wondering this whole time, which is, sure. who are some of your favorite leaders,
1: one or two, and and why? You know, I mentioned one already, um, and it's the history. I. I spend most of my time reading and studying history, not reading business books, although I do a podcast as well. So I'll read, the, read those. I um, mean, it's, it's no doubt about it. It's, it's Churchill and what Churchill was able to sustain. Yeah. Just finished a wonderful recent biography by uh, Eric Larson uh, regarding Churchill. And I think there's so much to take away from that individual. So that, that's probably the one I hang the hat on. And, and the other one, you know what? The other one's going to be my father. And I know that's a little cliche, but, um, you know, high school dropout, started at a company as a janitor, walked out the door 42 years later as CEO of the company. No kidding. The most remarkable human I've ever met in his ability to uh, to learn and adapt and grow where he didn't have any of the benefits of the pedigree and of the, the formalized education, yet what he achieved and the people that... Uh, that he helped throughout his life. And, you know, I suppose the third one I'll throw in there, and sadly we lost him a few years ago, was the gentleman who was CEO of our software firm, First Logic. We ultimately sold that business to a Business Objects SAP. And uh, Eric was it, simultaneously a maddening CEO to deal with. He was the most creative human I've ever met in my life and constantly kept us guessing. But he had one superpower. And his superpower was he found people that he could trust and he let them do what they were great at. And the group that evolved and emerged around him was so passionate and so well connected to do great things that it navigated a turnaround crisis, a recast, a reset, all the way to market leadership in a new market space and success. And to Eric's credit, he let the people around him do it.
0: Finding people reminds me of a of a comment that I came across that you said. I did. Is this kind of spooky? I I was stalking you. I've I've done my homework <laughs> on you, Art. I'm telling you, I'm impressed. <laughs> a little worried. I'm a little worried here, actually. <laughs> What's he gonna say? Which comment is this? This one was. There's nothing more important in business and society than supporting the development of our emerging leaders. Oh my gosh. They begin dig into that a little bit. What?
1: Why is it so important and, and how do we do it? You know, and again, it's not leaders with title. It's individuals who are the right people at the right point in time armed to be redundant with the right skill sets and the confidence uh, or at least the courage to take on those challenges. I mean, just look around us. The world is screaming for leaders in our organizations, uh, our private, our not-for-profit uh, Um, Our social institutions, uh, government, everywhere we go. And you know what's interesting, Eddie? What I hear over and over and over again in my workshops and my programs from clients I interact with is their struggle. To want to do bigger and better things, but not knowing how, not knowing how to cut through the bureaucracy, to overcome the inertia of the past, and and so forth. So, yeah, I think uh, you know, if we want to have a great chance at pulling this thing off here on planet Earth, we need to accelerate the development of leaders.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and was that a was that a loaded? Yeah. Was it? <laughs> um, speaking of your workshops. Yeah programs. Pragmatic Institute is developing a set of courses with various partners uh, mm-hmm. for what we're, we're calling sure. the Pragmatic Learning Network. And you have partnered with us to develop an online leadership course. Uh, last I heard, the title is Level Up Power Skills. Is that a working title? Is that that finalized.
1: The full title is "Level Up Power Skills Influence Lead and Develop Yourself Differently," and it's much more than a leadership course. So you keep you keep putting that L word. It's leadership L word. is one of five really great modules. And by the way, the entire team—we've got a wonderful team of people that have worked to bring this course. This has been a labor of love. We are passionate about the product world. I don't know. I, I highlight this so those who, that have heard me before on various Pragmatic shows know this this silly story, but I started out in my career right out of college at the lowest titled position in the product world, in the history of the product world. I was a product specialist trainee. Okay. I killed myself for six months to get trainee off of my business card. But I've been around for, you know, the, a quarter of a century of leadership all the way through the executive ranks. Other than for a few months, I've always had the product organizations working with me. And you know, when I left after we sold the company, I wrote, I started a blog. And the second blog post I ever wrote was the product manager as MVP. I'm not sure it was a great one, but it was front of my front of mind. My writing has improved a lot since I wrote that. So, you (laughs) know, I've over 2000 articles into this blogging thing now. Um, But yeah, the course was a labor of love. So we brought, uh, you know, our primary content comes from me, but we have some great product contributors and a wonderful team to pull it together. And it is much bigger than a leadership course. It's a course that actually I wish I would have had to give to my product teams that brings all of the different behavior sets and skill sets to help them level up as individuals while striving to level up their organizations at the same time. And it's much more than leadership. Who is the intended audience for the course? You know, the intended audience is any product professional, probably that has a couple of years under his or her belt, mm-hmm. um, and is really motivated and really excited about this ability in this job to create, and maybe just a little bit frustrated about the pace that they have to go at or all of the uh, challenges that they run through, because this course is designed to help people learn to navigate those. So, we teach product professionals effectively how to to negotiate internally uh, through what we term positive persuasion. We teach them how to succeed in the most challenging of communication moments. We teach them how to develop themselves. We teach them how to think differently and strengthen as decision makers. We teach them how to build high performance teams. We do a lot of that in the course. So a lot more than leadership.
0: Yeah, one (laughs) of the, in fact, I, I I get a sneak peek because yeah. of uh, what I get to work on. And there were um, lots of modules. One of my favorite titled modules was this one called Fierce Listening, not just listening. Yeah,
1: it's fierce not just listening, listening. Right. there is Fierce I, Listening. I clicked
0: on that one to do a little preview for myself uh, really fast, but but I wondered, and we'll see how this goes. I wanted to, to give you <laughs> a chance if, if your game uh, to do a just a a brief miniaturized version of that module and see if you couldn't teach me to be a
1: fierce listener. So I'm not sure I'll be able to do the miniaturized version of the module, but I can certainly work. If on you want
0: to do the full detail. thing, that's
1: fine too. We'll accept that. By the way, notice <laughs> you, so what did you just do there? Did I interrupt you? You did. Were you fierce? Can I listening blame it on the technology? <laughs> <laughs> yeah by the way, this not quite bisynchronous technology does make it challenging. Fierce yeah. listening is difficult. What are you thinking about right now? uh oh I gotta be honest to make this work
0: so um i am I am doing multiple things at once i think i'm I'm listening to you, but I am also thinking about uh you know where's the podcast going um uh Periodically checking notes to see if I'm covering the things that I was supposed to cover, but but hoping that you can't tell when I'm checking my notes to to come up with new questions and things as well. So let me ask you a frank question: Do you think that's fierce listening? Uh, probably not. Uh, in fact, I'm uh, I am positive that it's not. Yeah.
1: You know the goal. Is, so in the next question, what what's the goal? What's your goal in listening to someone?
0: I would say it might depend a little bit on context. If it's just a social occasion, the goal should probably be to get to know the other person to, to maybe learn from them if you can. In a professional setting, there's some of that, but at the same time, there's going to be some additional responsibilities. Maybe you're meeting with this person, you need to get to know them, but you also have a goal together to solve um, some greater business opportunity that's supposed to be a product of the
1: conversation. Yeah, no, I I mean, I I agree with all of those. I'll get a little lofty on you for a second. Okay. The goal, and again, another phrase I wish I would have coined, Mark Golston coined this one. The goal when listening to someone is to make them feel felt. To make that person feel felt. To use effectively empathy and reach across that space between the two individuals and truly see the situation from their perspective. So the classic example I run into all of the time, had a wonderful interchange on LinkedIn yesterday with someone who read my Fierce Listening article uh, recently, and you know he confessed that uh, one of his challenges was that when people approached him, he was often thinking of the answer, wondering what else he should be doing, yes. worried about the priority that he wasn't getting to in that moment in time. When in reality, what we have to do is we have to develop that mechanism. It's, it's kind of a mental process that I teach people to do, to literally in their minds say, stop. Eddie just approached me on an issue. I've got to do everything I can to focus on him. I'm going to listen. So you've got to say that. It sounds corny. You've got to say that or some variant of that um, in your mind. And then to turn to that issue and listen with, to that individual and listen with your entire body. We listened, not just, you know, here in the gray matter, but we listen with our entire body. So open your stance, relax yourself, focus on what they're saying. Ex- you're doing a good job. Yeah, the, I okay. guess you can't see since this is a podcast, right? Or <laughs> on video and Eddie is adjusting his okay, body language good. right now. Um, and, and do everything you can to comprehend. And- Part of the thing that we work on is we get people to kind of self-assess, what are the, where are the areas where you struggle? So I struggle with the interrupted one. Usually it's out of enthusiasm. Right. Me yeah. too. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to hear what you're having to say that I want to finish your words for you. But you know what? I didn't allow you to finish your words. So I missed yeah. something. In the signal to noise ratio, I introduced noise into that equation by doing that. Um, other, other, other examples in, in include just kind of your immediate pre existing perspective of, oh gosh, here comes Eddie again. I wonder what he wants, right? So our, our sudden pre existing perspective on, on you has me think, and it's like, doesn't matter. I, I need to neutralize that. I need to push that out. And I need to find ways to course correct. So if I interject, I actually want to say, Eddie, I apologize. I didn't allow you to complete your thought. Please okay. go ahead. If I mentally drift in my mind, which is one of my frequent issues, you're probably doing it right now. If you're men- you're actually looking like nope. you nope. you look like you're I fierce you. listening. By I'm line. with you. <laughs> <laughs> if I drift, I will use something like, you know, this is a really important point and I want to make certain I understand it. Would you please repeat it? And I'll redouble my efforts to focus. And, and this concept of, of fierce listening, um, Frankly, I, it was, uh, uh, again, I, people are going to get the impression, I'm, I, I always give attribution. Tom Peters, the great consultant, said, hey, if you're, at the end of a conversation, if you're not sweating, you weren't listening. Wow. And let's back up. What are the benefits of, of listening? So I'll put you on the spot there. What, what do you think some of the benefits are? When I'm really focused in listening to you, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you walk away thinking? Well, you, as the listener, you are
0: learning. Hopefully you are, you are gathering knowledge, improving. Uh, I mean, there's, there's gotta be something you can learn from everybody that you discuss. yeah, Right.
1: Yeah. And and as the person talking to you, I feel respected if you're listening to me. Respect, I think is a raw ingredient for trust. And oh, by the way, trust catalyzes performance between individuals and teams. So anything that catalyzes uh, performance. Uh, is a good thing there. So I love that it's a trust-building activity. We feel understood. And in fact, one researcher came out and said, you know, our brains actually can't differentiate between that sense of being loved or being listened to. Think about that. That's how powerful, wow. that's well, how
0: I was, strongly we feel. I was curious about why, the in the quote you started off with, you said that a person should feel Feel, felt. what was the word? Felt. Oh It wasn't a person should feel heard. No. It was a person
1: felt. should feel felt. So bigger picture here. Fierce listening is one part of an overall communications module of a number of lessons, right? Yeah. So let's kind of, un, you know, peel the layers back on the onion. Okay. At, at the bottom of any business problem, and I'll, I'll make this wager, you're going to find a communication issue two or 20. Communication communication issues are effectively the essence of everything that's going on in an organization, and we're going to find them. A large part of the communication challenges we have is that people really aren't listening to each other, right? They end up arguing over positions. They don't work hard enough to listen. So say you approach me with a radical new idea that you're incredibly excited about, and even though my first inclination might be to resist it or reject it, I need to better understand. I need to take the time to jump over into your shoes, if I can. I'd love you know, love to be able to do that. See the situation from your perspective, and then find a way to see if I could uncover what your interest was, not just your position, not your I want us to do this, but why, and see if I can meld that and match that up with my position to kind of kind of design our way forward to mutual interest. On the other hand, take the product professional, right? They're Dependent upon an awful lot of people to adjust behaviors, change processes, do things differently, take on new things, take new offerings, so forth and so on. I think product professionals are probably involved in half a dozen or more, what I would term in internal negotiations every single day. So, and when they're approaching someone, so say I'm the product professional and you're the overworked, overwhelmed customer service head, right? <laughs> and I'm laying out this incredibly brilliant idea to you. And all you're thinking is, without fierce listening, oh, my gosh, that's a lot more work. That's a pain in the neck. That's going to fail. That's not going to work. Um, You didn't take the time there to try to understand my perspective. And I certainly failed as the product professional to to understand and do the background work to really really gain your perspective on the situation. And fundamental communication problems there. If two people are practicing fierce
0: listening with each other. (laughs) Doesn't the conversation fall silent?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I may use that in a subsequent workshop. That's that's the old tree falls in a forest, right? Right. (laughs) We're listening so intently to each other. You know, I play a funny little goofy game to kick off this module, and it's just, it's hilarious, mostly because it's so lighthearted. I have the little, you know, one rule, which is, We're going to talk with someone. And when I complete my sentence, whatever the last word was that I used, you have to start your sentence. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And after a few minutes, people are laughing hilariously. You get some ridiculous sentence constructions in the process. But you know what? What are they doing during that time? They're shutting down everything else because they don't know what that last word is going to be. And they really need to focus on paying attention to that. So that kind of jump started. So, yeah, 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 they have good, good quality communication. Good, that's a blast. Uh, how did I do?
0: Am I, I? I have to tell you that the past out of five, eight minutes have been a different experience for me, in this podcast. <laughs> just, just, and I'm not kidding. I, I'm paying less attention to my notes. I feel like I'm paying more attention to you, and probably uh, learning more and, and getting more benefit because of it. So, I mean, that,
1: that's incredible. Pay it forward to your colleagues, right? Right. So something interesting, and let's go back to your your favorite term here, the leadership word. If, in fact, (laughs) you cultivate the persona of a great listener, people are going to naturally view you in a more positive light. Okay. They're going to respect you. They're going to trust you. You're going to be able to engage with them and gain their support for issues. You're effectively going to be a better leader for them, whether you have the title or not. So uh, this fierce listening stuff is really powerful. And there are so many good, nice little hacks that we can use. And and I'll leave you with this last one here. So we talked about doing a little kind of refocus in your mind, how to recapture if you tend to, to slip or even overtly apologizing for interjecting with someone. Here's one to try on that everybody can use who's listening to this immediately. And that is when the other person finishes their sentence, count to two before you start yours.
0: That, that's just to make sure that they're done or to make sure that the thoughts uh, 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 solidify in your mind what what is that
1: I think there are two benefits mostly it allows them to comfortably conclude their thought and you know some people myself for example aren't as a articulate as you are. And I tend to ramble a bit as your listeners are now hearing. So, but your kindness in allowing me to finish allows me to get whatever it is that I'm so passionate out, uh, you know, out onto the table, and then I can shut up and wait for your response. So your your habit is just, you're, I mean, you're a natural. Artist. I just
0: wanted to mention some of the other names of the, uh, uh, of the modules. This is just a handful of them. There are lots, but they were other such good topics like becoming a better decision maker, positive persuasion, advocating for yourself, leading upward. We talked about that a little bit already. Yep. Uh, and then guiding groups from discussion to decision and so on and so on. Every every single one of them was as intriguing and uh, as productive sounding as the, as the last. So uh, that's going to be a really cool course. As far as I understand, we are aiming to release that sometime, probably late summer. That will be available through Pragmatic Institute's Pragmatic Learning Network, and I am thrilled for it. Uh, I hope everyone else is as well. Um, Art, I wanted to—I've got—I've got got my gotcha question at the end here. Oh, okay, the gotcha. Shouldn't be scared of it. This this was—this was—you know—in—in thinking about having you here as a resource. I wanted to ask this question of you: If you were one hundred percent successful in your endeavors, as as an instructor and and an educator if you were 100% that means we'd give you a world microphone you could speak to everybody in the world they would all take to heart your message how would it change the
1: world how would we be different I love that question thanks for the gotcha you know I use those at the end of my podcast too and now I know how how challenging they are (laughs) I was going to say annoying but that wouldn't be (laughs) yeah that's okay you could say annoying I want to leave individuals with their brains boiling with the excitement of the potential that they have to make a difference. I want, them, I want to leave them not only with their brains boiling with excitement, but with the confidence that they have the ability and now some of the tools to bring these ideas to life. So that's the effect that I want to have on every single individual in every audience and in every environment, because it's happened to me a few times and there's nothing better. So brains boiling with excitement, ideas to change the world or at least their world and the confidence and some of the tools to be able to do that. And that's kind of the theme and the heart of our course as well. Well done. That was beautiful. <laughs> Art, thank you so much. This
0: has been a thrill and uh, educational as well as fun. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to
1: talk to you. Eddie, the pleasure was all mine. And thanks to you and to your, your wonderful audience and, and the great folks at Pragmatic. It's uh, It's an honor to be here. And that does it
0: for today's episode. Thank you so much, our audience for listening. And don't forget to join us next week. We'll tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. We'll see you again next time. Thank you very much.